Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Matthew Leach, talking Atlanta Braves with MLB.com's Braves beat reporter Mark Bowman. Mark, this team has been active not just all season, but really dating back to the end of last season. Um, I realized... That because of their position, it's very hard to predict what they will do tr- actual transaction-wise between now and next Friday. But philosophically, what do you expect them? What, what kind of, what's the strategy, you think, as they approach July 31st? I think that you're looking at them having the option to move a lot of these veterans that are on one-year deals so to where you're not going to get the significant return where you might have had you had the Jason Grilly still in place. They, they, they had... They were talking to teams about packaging Jason Grilly and Jim Johnson. They would have probably gotten a decent return. I'm not saying it would have been blockbuster or anything like that, but it would have been stronger than any return that they're going to get for uh, the Jim Johnson, AJ Brzezinski, Kelly Johnson, uh, Juan Uribe, those guys that you know they may end up dealing either between now and Friday, or you know those guys could also go sometime in August. Um, now the question is, will there be a team? It jumps out and says, "Here, we want Cameron Maven, and this is—we're going to give you a value to work to where the Braves would pull the trigger." Because would the Braves be willing to, to trade Cameron Maven this month? Yes. Do I expect them to get the value that they that they're looking for? I don't get the sense they they've at least heard that yet, or or, or feel that they're going to get that. That may be something they end up doing in the off season, which at that point in time they'll have a better feel of whether they truly do want to move them because they'll, they'll have a better feel of where Malik Smith and Jose Barraza are uh, as potential center fielders next year. What, where do you think they see themselves on the success cycle? And, and what I, I guess what I mean by that is we've talked a lot about 2017 as a target. How do they view 2016? Does, does this organization feel like maybe they might – get where they're going a year sooner than everybody thought, or is this still kind of a, a long game that they're playing? I think that hinges a lot on what if they're able to get a power bat and what kind of power bat they're able to put in this lineup next year. You've seen some some indications that they could have a, a very solid rotation next year with Shelby Miller leading it if Matt Whistler continues to progress like he has uh, earlier this week when, when he faced uh, the Dodgers, 
we saw him. Here's a kid who relies heavily on his slider. That swing and miss pitch, he did not have it for the first few innings. Yet the, the only damage, you know, he was able to get through the first four innings pretty much unscathed. Uh, the fifth inning, it, it did bite him. He left a few fastballs up and uh, was hurt. But what I'm getting at is, is he's a kid who's already shown that maybe even at his best, he, he can survive at the big league level and, and be successful. You got to like what you've seen from him. Alex Wood, it'll be interesting to see where he goes the rest of this year. Last year, he was at a similar point uh, heading into late July. It went on a tear uh, there towards the end. But, but you, you've got those guys, and then obviously, um, and with all these arms, they've either got guys that are going to fill this rotation or at some point this winter may be used to, to help improve that offense because with the surplus of arms that they have, they, there's no doubt that, that some of these guys are going to be be dealt eventually. The odds are, are getting pretty long. I mean, they've been pretty long for a little while now. Is it maybe in the long run a good thing um, that they're you know a couple games under instead of a couple games over and a little closer to to uh, making a big swing? Or do you think they wouldn't have really gotten too aggressive even if they were a little closer? Yeah, I really don't think so. You know, when we you and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I said, look, at least if it's lost some games now, it, it, this will prevent them from being conflicted going into the trade deadline. And a couple hours later, they won the first of two straight against the Nationals and then won a couple against the Phillies, a couple more against the Brewers. But they went to Force Field and, uh, and since then, things have been kind of expect, where we've expected them to be, where they, they're back in that position. Now we're close enough to July 31st uh, to where I, I don't think their mindset would change. Now the question is, had let's go back to a week ago or a little bit more than a week ago when they were at 500 uh, in Milwaukee, and since then they, they've uh, you know gone on this longer losing streak, um, and things have, have evened out. But you know, would they have been conflicted? It would have been hard to make some of these moves had they stayed right there at 500 and only been three games out. It would be hard to justify to your fan base. But what I can tell you is. Even during that stretch, they were still talking to teams about Jason Grilly, Jim Johnson, Kelly Johnson, A.J. Brzezinski, some of these veterans, because they they, they, they understand who they are, um, and, and they had a good feeling of where they might be by the end of this month. How do you how do you think, I mean, look, you, you I'm not that far out of town, but you, you deal a lot, you talk a lot to fans, you have Twitter and you get that interaction. There was a lot of unrest, it seemed, over the winter. People looked at a team that came close and saw it being blown up and said, what in the world are they doing? Do you get the impression that as some of these young players have developed, as this team has been maybe better than people expected, do you get the impression that, that uh, this front office has kind of bought itself some goodwill with the fan base, that maybe the view of where this organization is is different from six or even three months ago? I would say it's certainly a lot different than it was in November and December. Um, spring training provided them a little bit of a glimpse of what this team might be. Then, obviously, you had the great Kimbrell deal on the eve of the season, which you know a lot, a lot of fans weren't happy about that. But you look at the return that they've already got from that trade, which you know made perfect sense, and, and still will continue to provide dividends for for uh, the next few years to, to get Whistler and and, and Maven that. Um, and just to be able to build build off of what they had already uh, gone. Yeah, I think I think the fans of I, I think the very um, the, the fan who 
keeps up with the minor league system, understands the value of prospects. Uh, I don't think that they've ever really had much of a problem with what the team's done during the offseason. The, the fan who may not pay as close attention but is being updated on where the, how much different the prospect list looks now as compared to the end of last season. I, I think that you can't help but, uh, but realize that, hey, look, this club's in a lot better shape than it was in, in October when you were looking at uh, Peraza and then obviously Lucas Sims and Jason Hirsch being your top prospects. We've gotten to a point where, look, it's far too early to give up on Lucas Sims. He still has potential to have a very bright future. But we've gotten to a point where you really don't even hear anyone talk about Jason Hirsch. And a few months ago, he would have been their third or fourth best prospect. Now, now you're looking you know, closer, in my opinion, probably closer to uh, somewhere in that 15 to 20 range. They've just added that many arms. What, what they do need to do, their job is far from done. You know, we continue to talk about uh, adding some power, but the easiest way that they believe to do that is to, to you know, gather all these arms, see which ones fit, uh, which ones you want to keep, and, and, and then deal the others uh, to try to get value in the other aspects of the game where they are uh, currently weak. And, and we, have to, we have to look at that catcher's position going towards next year, too, because while A.J. Prasinski, it's been great to, to have him around this year, and he's probably exceeded expectations and just the simple fact of being able to play every day, um, you know, they have to address whether you know they want to continue to, to give Christian Bethencourt another chance next year, uh, or do you, you know, go and chase a, a Matt Weeders during the offseason? One guy that they, excuse me, uh, brought him fairly quietly over the winter, really, who's been very exciting is Manny Benuelos. Um, it already sounds like maybe he's coming up against some limits. What's the plan for him as they go forward? You know, I, I, I'm expecting to, to hear a little bit more with that here within the next few hours. He's scheduled to, to pitch again. But here we are. He's, a, he's nearing 100 innings. Uh, last year he pitched 75 or 76 in the third innings um, with the Yankees coming back from Tommy John surgery. Right now you're looking at a guy who they don't really want him to throw much more than 120 to 130 innings. So if he does have one more – if he does want make one more start this weekend, I would expect that to be his last start, uh, and then move him to the bullpen for the remainder of the season, where you can monitor his innings. Um, but I, I, I think that they've seen enough of him this year uh, to, to have hope that he would fill that fourth or fifth spot in their rotation at the beginning of next year. Um, he, the kid, has a, a great changeup. He's not the same same guy that that wowed the Yankees during spring training in 2011. Uh, with the electric fastball with Mariano Rivera saying he's one of the best pitching prospects he's seen. But at the same time, he has proven that he he can pitch it at 90-91 uh, with that good changeup. If he moves out of the rotation, um, is the natural move, and is, is what happens that uh, Fulton Evich goes back to starting again? You know, they, they want Fulton Evich. They, they understand. They look at Mike Fulton Evich, and they say, hey, look, if you just want to tag him right now, what his future is, the way his mannerisms, his repertoire, uh, his approach to the mound, they realize he's, he, he fits that seventh, eighth, or ninth inning guy um, in the bullpen. They, they understand that. But before you know, putting him in that position for an extended period, they wanted him to go down to the minor league level, go back to AAA, and just work on trying to on his power stuff shy away from the slider, which has proven to be far too inconsistent for him, especially at the big league level. 
try to develop maybe a split finger. Now, we're in the very early stages of that. So that that's one of those things. If he starts to show some progress in that realm, I think that you'd want to keep him at Gwinnett for, for an extended period. You've got Williams Perez coming off the disabled list. That would He would be easier uh, to fit into that rotation spot that Manuelos has is current has currently held for the last couple of weeks. Um, so I, I think that would be your immediate fix while allowing Fulton Nevich to continue to either prove to himself or, or to, the, to the organization um, yeah, that he can be that guy who, who, who can rely on that fastball, live with a split finger, and, sh- and just get away from that slider, which he just he, he has never gotten a, a consistent feel for it in terms of command or location. All right, well, Mark Bowman, thanks for taking some time to talk here on MLB.com Extras, and thanks, everybody, for listening. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.